Welcome to the CIBC Private Wealth Management's Advisor Podcast. Investors are always watching for changes to the market. Should you sell or should you buy? There are many different indicators people watch for, and the ocean typically isn't one of them. But according to retired Admiral James Stavridis, the first Navy officer chosen as Supreme Allied Commander for global operations at NATO, what occurs on the waves can tell you a lot about not just potential changes in the economy, but also the state of the world itself. And he would know. Stavridis' latest book is Sea Power, The History and Geopolitics of the World's Oceans. He's also an operating executive with the Carlyle Group. Here's Admiral Stavridis. For starters, the oceans cover 70% of the Earth's surface. In fact, the Pacific Ocean is so big that you could take all the land on the Earth and drop it into the Pacific Ocean. And therefore, they are first and foremost a means of communication that connects the world. The British used to say the sea is one, meaning that there are no barriers in the sea. So it's this highway. Point two is the economics. Ninety-five percent of international trade moves across those oceans. And thirdly, in the history of mankind, again and again, we see these critical sea battles that occur at a kind of a hinge in history that really change the course of human endeavors. And so I think as you uh, look at going back 2,500 years ago and look at the Battle of Salamis, uh, where the Greeks saved democracy, or look at the Battle of Trafalgar, where the British held off the Imperial French, or the Battle of Midway, where the United States turned the tide in the Pacific against the Japanese Empire. Again and again, you see these historical moments on the oceans that really change the course of history. So, to summarize, geography makes them important, economics and trade make them important, and military history and security outcomes make the oceans critically important. Examining how events on the oceans change history can be insightful, but what should investors be looking at concerning world events today? China's economy, for example, has long used the ocean to project military strength. The Chinese claim that the South China Sea is a territorial sea, uh, which is an extremely difficult claim to make realistically under international law. But China claims that entire body of water, the South China Sea, which is massive, it's the size of the Gulf of Mexico and the Caribbean Sea put together. And in order to uh, effect those claims, they build these artificial islands and then they say, gosh, under international law, we own everything 200 miles from each of these islands. So over time, if you build enough of these islands and you keep claiming 200 miles around each of them, in effect, it's like a series of lily pads that eventually cover the entire South China Sea. So that's their strategic game. Uh, what they want militarily is the use of those islands as, if you will, unsinkable aircraft carriers. You can put planes, you can put long-range surface-to-surface missiles on them, you can build sensors on them. Uh, they can create this chain of, if you will, aircraft carriers that can never be sunk throughout the region. So if it comes to a fight, uh, that would be a tremendous military utility to them. A conflict with China would obviously be bad news and would likely have a severe impact on the economies of both countries. And is there anything else to watch out for? The United States and China could come to conflict in cyberspace. Um, in other words, 
Both nations are competing to build new 5G networks to get there first, if you will, on the creation of true artificial intelligence and machine learning. Um, that can create a great deal of conflict um, in cyber, and that is opaque to the public in general, but uh, based on my security clearances, I can tell you that we're already in a kind of shadow war in the cyber world. So that's another zone of conflict between the nations. So having said all that, I am cautiously optimistic that over the course of this century, we can work with China. We can avoid a, uh, a conflict, avoid falling into what is sometimes called the Thucydides trap. The so-called Thucydides trap is a phrase used to describe the writings of an ancient Greek historian who predicted that when rising powers collide with established powers, war is likely to ensue. I think we can avoid that Thucydides trap, but it'll require careful diplomacy and individuals of goodwill on both sides. It'll be the big narrative of the 21st century. You know, there's no silver bullet here. It's going to require both nations to uh, fall off of extreme positions and work to negotiate an outcome. We avoided a war in the Cold War that could have destroyed civilization. I think we can do the same thing here, but it'll require attention and maturity out of both governments. What does the United States need to do to maintain stability and a positive economic outlook? I think if there are four key priorities for the United States, broadly speaking, in this century, they are um, international engagement, in other words, working with our allies, improving interagency cooperation in Washington, enabling more private-public cooperation, notably in cyberspace, and for strategic communications, telling our story. And, and you know, our story is a pretty good one. Liberty, freedom of speech, freedom of uh, education, gender equality, racial equality. Look, we, we execute those values imperfectly, but they are the right values. And we should not apologize for them or back up on them. And in order to do that, we have to communicate them. Sometimes people say to me, you know, Admiral, you're right. It's a war of ideas out there. No, it's a marketplace of ideas. Our ideas have to compete, and we have to be smart about how we express them without arrogance, without ramming them down somebody's throat. We ought to be um, encouraging others to think hard about those value sets. And that, going back to China, is part of the solution with China over time, I believe. When taking a look at current events and their long-term implications... What advice does the Admiral have? Number one is keep it in perspective. And a good way to do that is look back 100 years ago. Uh, the world is stumbling out of the First World War, 30 million dead, about to have a global pandemic, Spanish influenza, which is going to infect 40% of the world's population with a 20% mortality rate. We're going to see the rise of authoritarianism, under the rubric of fascism in a second world war, which will kill 60 million people. That's a bad century. We're not remotely in that place. Although the great powers have disagreements, including U.S.-China, we have so many better tools, so much more transparency, better means of communication, uh, much more prosperity globally. Poverty is reduced. That reduces tension. So point one for investors is Yes, it feels very scary, but keep it in perspective. Point two is, if I'm an investor, the indicators I'm going to watch 
are first and foremost the U.S.-China relationship, and within that, the tension in the South China Sea, I think, will be a an indicator of how things are trending. For more insights from Admiral Stavridis and other topics, check out the latest edition of The Advisor at private-wealth.us.cibc.com. CIBC Private Wealth Management includes CIBC National Trust Company, CIBC Delaware Trust Company, and CIBC Private Wealth Advisors Incorporated, all of which are wholly owned subsidiaries of CIBC Private Wealth Group, LLC, and the Private Wealth Division of CIBC Bank USA. All of these entities are wholly owned subsidiaries of Canadian Imperial Bank of Commerce. This podcast is intended for informational purposes only, and the material presented should not be construed as an offer or recommendation to buy or sell any security. Contents expressed are current as of the date of this publication and may change without notice.